0: Hey, welcome to the Pest Control Podcast. I'm your host, Brendan, and in today's episode, episode 86, we have a special guest. Before we can get to our special guest, a few housekeeping things and a few announcements I wanna get through, and then we'll move right along to the special guest episode. This episode of the podcast is sponsored by our good friends at Goodnight Fatty from the Salem, Massachusetts area on a Friday or Saturday night from seven to eleven. Make sure to head on down to Higginson Square and get yourself a delicious fatty. And if you're unaware of what a fatty is, you can check them out on social media at Goodnight Fatty and educate yourself on these delicious treats. And when you do head to Goodnight Fatty, let them know that Past Controller sent you. And coming up next week, Wednesday, May sixteenth, it's that time of the month where we host Jackbox Party Night at Bit Bar in Salem, Massachusetts. Come on down. It's from eight ten. I'm sorry, from eight to ten. And uh, you know, it's a good time. A lot of laughs. Great local beer. You know, yummy comfort food. Also, all of the delicious arcade games. If you you know you wanna also throw a little Street Fighter in the mix, um, or or what have you. But yeah, it's always a good time. We do it once a month. You know, Usually every third Wednesday of the month, we are at BitBar hosting our event. And uh, uh, if you stay the whole night, there's prizes for the end. If you can't make it or you don't live nearby, don't worry. You can always check out the stream at twitch.tv slash passcontroller and play along from wherever you may be. Keeping this thing going, um, we can finally announce... Uh, We'll save that announcement, but we do have some other stuff to talk about. So before we get on to our special guest, who we met at PAX East, who's you know lives and resides and works in Canada, we uh we just want to take a take a second to urge you that if you are a fan of the show, I mean you're listening to the show, so you must be. If you're a fan of the show and you don't subscribe for some reason, click that subscribe button. It really it really does a lot for us if you do that. And if you do happen to listen on to iTunes or maybe you don't use iTunes, listen to the podcast, but you. Have an iTunes account. If you can take a moment to just leave us a review on iTunes, that really goes a long way. That helps us accomplish a lot more that we're trying to do, and we would really be super appreciative if you do leave us a review. We're not looking for you to lie or, or you know, just fluff us up. You know, obviously be honest, and obviously we would like five star reviews. But I'm not going to tell you what to do. I want you to just be honest. Um, but we would really appreciate that if you're a fan of the show, if you're a fan of us, if you can take that, you know, couple of minutes to just Hop in there, leave a nice review, you know, that would really mean a lot and really help us push this even further than we're already at right now. I guess at this point, I can I can kind of tell you who who our lovely guest is. And our guest was uh, Benoit Archer, who's one of the founders and developers of a little game called Lightfall uh, from Bishop Games. If you're unaware of what Lightfall is, it just dropped... Uh, but. On the, April 26th, I believe, so a few weeks ago. Um exclusive console uh release on the Switch and it's also available on Steam. It's a you know amazing platformer. You know the, the ambiance is fantastic. The it's it's you know a little bit more of a challenging game. If it's something that you know piques your interest, if you're into like a Celeste or a super meat boy, something along those lines, this might be a game right up your alley if you're unaware of what it is. So you should definitely you know check it out. You know, you can check out their website at lightfallgame.com. You can look for their game on Steam or Switch. Go to YouTube and, you know, type in Lightfall Game and and watch some gameplay. Maybe watch the trailer. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I I would highly recommend it if you're into that type of game. You know, a a little bit more of a hardcore platformer. Um, And, yeah, Ben was fantastic. It was a pleasure having him on the show. I'm sure we're going to do some things, you know, going forward with them. And... uh, you know, one last thing that I want to get into before we press play on the episode is we're excited to announce a little revamp to the podcast that's been in the works for a little while. Um, we we've been going back and forth debating on what we were gonna do for an intro theme, and we finally have come to what, in my opinion, is the best decision, and that is. We are exclusively going to work with the Super Soul Brothers, and the Super Soul Brothers, who, if you don't know, you need to press pause on the podcast right this moment, go watch the Lightfall trailer first, and then go to supersoulbros.com and, you know, watch their YouTube videos, see them perform, listen to their music, it's really, they are unrivaled in what they're doing. They're obviously, you know, doing cover music of video game songs, but they're passion for music and their their talent it breaks out of any niche that somebody might want to categorize them in. They're fantastic musicians they're fantastic people and I you know I'm lucky and happy to say that you know they're they're friends of mine Um, so we're really happy that we're going to be doing this going forward and uh, yeah the Super Soul Brothers you should definitely check them out. You can find them on social media at Super Soul Brothers or Super Soul Bros rather and check out their website at Super Soul Bros. and enjoy this week's episode, episode 86. Pretty special guest tonight. Dom's here too. Yeah, but he's he's asleep right now. He's not paying attention. No, I am paying attention. Oh, he's paying attention, alright that's fine. Okay. But we get a special guest. Uh huh. Do you know who it is? No. Dom? Any idea? No. We we're brought here under false pretenses. Under false pretenses. Well we have uh Ben from Bishop Games here to talk about Lightfall. How you doing, Ben?
1: doing
0: good. And you guys? Doing alright. Hanging yeah. in here. It's a it's a nice Tuesday night. Yep. So we uh, we had the pleasure of meeting Ben and some of his team. I know we, I know I sat down with David too at PAX. We met you guys at PAX East. Had the chance to play Lightfall, and uh, now the game is finally out here. Yep. F- for the world to play. About time. <laughs> yeah. I know. Is it a four four year development cycle?
1: Yep. Uh, yeah, a big four years. So uh, at last, and you know we. The second project won't be that long. <laughs> it's you been guys a are,
0: long time coming on. Huh? Yeah. Yep. You guys are already at work on your next project? or? Uh,
1: uh, well, we, we have like the core idea of uh, what we're going to do. Uh, we already have the funding f- to prototype the next game. But we also have some uh, work left to do on Lightfall. So, you know, we're, we're pretty much split between the two right now, like in transition. Okay. But uh, coming this summer, uh, we're pr- probably going to be... Uh, Full time on the second project, like at the end of this other of the summer,
0: yeah. Okay, that's that's pretty awesome. Do you guys have plans? I know it's on Switch and, and Steam right now. Are there plans to bring it uh, Lightfall to other consoles right now, or?
1: Yeah, definitely. Uh, right now, we we are like in exclusivity with Switch for a few months, for for three months. So obviously, we can't bring the game to like let's say Xbox One or PS Four right now. Okay but we're definitely looking at all the options once the uh, exclusivity uh, wears off and uh, it will really come down to like if, if the, the price of porting the game will be worth, you know, in, in sales uh, so like right now I'm pretty confident we'll do uh, the, the, the other console ports but it's too early to tell like how's the situation for the sales will they evolve throughout the months. So yeah, Exactly. How's
2: how's it looking on Nintendo so far for you guys? Uh,
1: we're pretty surprised because like um, I think that more than three almost like more than seventy five percent of our sales are from Switch. Also awesome. wow. uh, very cool. Uh, yeah, I thought that it would be like a fifty fifty uh between Steam and and Switch and to my to my surprise uh, we're selling a lot more on Switch than we do on Steam. So,
0: well, I mean, that seems to be the case for a lot of games. Not not just indie games either. Uh, I I want to say last year FIFA was had most of its sales on the Switch compared to you know PlayStation Four, Xbox, and, and PC. So, the the Switch install base is, is hungry for games.
1: Yeah, I think that's a big point. Like, just the sheer number of games on Steam. Uh, I mean, it's so hard to to stand out, I guess, and like you said, people are starved from a lot of good games on the Switch, so and it's, it's really helpful for, in, uh, for us on the Switch, but yeah, Steam is just, there's just too many games out there, so.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Steam is pretty crowded, but that's the other thing too, is, I mean, the Switch, when it launched last March, it, I mean, there were definitely a few months where it was a little sparse, but if you take a look on the eShop or, or go to a store and look at what games are on the shelves, there's plenty of great games out there. And still you know everyone keeps finding success and I think part of that is just due to the nature of the switch where you know normally if I was playing something on my TV I'm locked into the time that I'm sitting down on my TV but now I can you know continue my play session on the train or if I'm laying in bed and want to play a little something before I go to bed I think just the fact that you can play longer and more often it allows people to maybe finish games quicker. So maybe that's why they're continually buying more and more.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. And also, I mean, the Switch is just so convenient, right? Like, oh my God. when you have a Switch, when you have a Switch, you don't need anything else, basically. Like, uh, I still have a computer and a PS4 because I'm, I'm I'm a huge gamer. But, I mean, with the Switch, like you said, you can play at home. You can play in the, in the commute in the morning. You can play when you're traveling on the plane. So you don't need anything else (laughs) to game so yeah that might be why people are so enthusiastic about the the console and the games on the switch
0: yeah i mean i i can tell you right now that i'm I, i always am playing too many games at once but my my switch routine in bed has been you know i'm playing something like overwatch on my on my xbox for a little while and then when i go to lay down it's you know i i beat celeste a few weeks ago i pop in Stardew Valley from time to time so there's always something that I am also trying to complete you know instead of sleeping because who needs sleep
1: <laughs> yep
0: <laughs> uh, so you said you you you're a big gamer what else do you uh, what else do you play what consumes your time on PlayStation and PC
1: um well right now I'm the, like for the past month I haven't been playing too much because of the lunch uh, my, my backlog is getting bigger but um, Recently, uh, I've been playing a lot of uh, old school platformers. Uh, nice. I've re- I've relaunched. Uh, was, what is it called? Uh, uh, Super Meat Boy. Sorry. Oh, so, so I've been great. replaying Super Meat Boy recently. I just Boy redownloaded recently.
2: it myself, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I was pumped and, to see uh, to see their new title coming out. Yep, exactly. Like yep.
1: Uh, th- that's what gave me the uh, like. I saw them at PAX. And I was like, oh, I need to, to go back and, and play the, the old classic. Oh, <laughs> yeah,
0: for sure. I mean, I'm sure Meat Boy was, was one of uh, the inspirations maybe behind Lightfall.
1: Yep. That, that I mean, style uh,
0: of, you know, like, not meticulous, but, you know, there, there's, some, there's some skill involved with the platforming. It's not just like run and jump and you're at the end of the game.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, as uh, when we, you know, the three founders of the studio, we're all big, big fans of Super Meat Boy, we, we play the game, and, like, obviously, when you're a gamer and a developer, well, for us, at least, like, there's a, you're going to make the same game, type of games that you enjoy playing, right? So for sure, yeah. Like, even if you don't want to, like, copy or, you know, take inspiration, like, it's just a natural, natural feeling to take inspiration from games you like, and, try to emulate it in your own game, in your own way. So definitely in Lightfall, there's like similarities between the two, like the, the fast-paced tempo and the, the fast gameplay. Uh, so mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, we, we all play that game so much.
0: <laughs> it's a great game. What other what other games inspired you guys when you were working on Lightfall?
1: Um, out of Super Meat Boy, well, obviously there's Limbo because they were the first ones to, like bring the silhouette style, the silhouette art style to the mainstream. Yep. So, obviously, Limbo played a, a huge part in that. And, but outside of that, I mean, obviously, uh, I think the, the artists from the studio, they, they mostly were inspired by, like, random uh, pieces of art that they found online and stuff like that. Like, for the games itself, it was pretty much uh, Super Meat Boy and Limbo. Okay. Uh, most, people, most people say that, like, they ask us, "Were you're we inspired by, by Ori, but what's funny is that we, we developed Ori and Lightfall at the same time. It's just that they, they released like yeah. two years before us. But <laughs> yeah. Uh, So, yeah, we were not really inspired by Ori because, I mean, it's a tremendous game, but we made the game at the same time as them. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. But mainly uh, Limbo and uh, Super Meat Boy.
0: Mm-hmm. I would kind of say Ori is a little bit more of a Metroidvania, where, where Lightfall is probably a little bit closer to something like like a Meat Boy, where it's a puzzle platformer. Yeah.
1: yeah Yeah. more like a rayman too like yeah exactly
0: um i mean the art style it it really stands out i mean limbo i would say is you know much more subdued very simplistic where you know and not to not not talking bad about it but i i feel like Lightfall has a little bit more character to it where it's it's still that dark you know subdued art style silhouette art style but there's still so much detail going on in there. And the music as well. The music like, really sets the tone for, for the game.
1: Yeah, there's a couple of reasons why we, we did that. Like, the, first of all, obviously, you have to be somewhat different. Like, you, you, you can't just have the same art style as Limbo. Yeah.
2: Exactly, yeah. And,
1: and the second thing was that the main idea of Lightfall. Like, before we even had, like, the, the shadow Core mechanic in the story, it was really to create a, a game inside this world, like, plunge into darkness. Mm-hmm. And we wanted to play on the, like, just switch the usual cliche where darkness is bad and light is good. Like, in Lightfall, it's pretty much the opposite, right? Like, darkness is, is good and everything that's colorful or lighted up will probably kill you if you if you touch it. So yeah. that's that's one of the other reasons why, you know, the colors pop out and stand out because it's going to kill you. And it's just like a, a gameplay decision as well. Like, the game going is going so fast that you need to see clearly that oh this thing is light up it's gonna kill me like you need to react Mm inside
0: the thing that i found uh when i was playing through was that the like the obviously the uh shadow core mechanic is something that completely differentiates Lightfall from everything else um as far as you know these uh, hardcore 2d platformers go but the the tempo of how you feed like like, I think what really makes a platforming game a good platforming game is how the character controls, and if you get that wrong, I feel like the game suffers tremendously because of it, but the way it feels, especially when you're running and jumping in that, in, in Lightfall, it is so spot on. Like, it, it when you're holding the controller and you're pressing the buttons, it feels the way it should feel, and I think that is, you know paramount to the success that a platformer would have and that was honestly one of my favorite things of playing through the game was that, you know, as you're running, that feeling of of movement is is unparalleled.
1: Yeah. I mean, we spent a lot of time and energy making sure that the controls, because the controls needed to be as tight as they were because, you know, with this mechanic, and then, like you said, you can have like, bad controls because it's going to turn off so many people, especially in platformers. So Mm -hmm. we spent a lot of time making our own uh, physics system, actually, uh, because at first we tried to do the game with the, the physics system that was in Unity, but we found out that the same, like, it wasn't responsive enough, and worst of all, like, the same behavior will result in different... Uh, action sometimes. Like, you will do the same movement or the same jump at the same spot, but, you know, you will land differently or, like, at at another spot. So, obviously, that that will not work on a speedrunning game. Mm -hmm. So, we had to tear down everything and, like, make our own physics system uh, where we we will have the control be as responsive as they are now, so.
0: Okay. Yeah, I mean, the other thing that I was you know, saying how you had to build that physics system and thinking about how, basically, uh, players interacting with the space controls. When you guys were... Obviously, the shadow core mechanic kind of allows players to not solve the puzzle, but complete each area maybe a little bit differently. It kind of gives you a little bit more freedom than just a, you know... jump from this spot to this spot to get to the end the 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 journey from point a to point b can be different from player to player was that something that was difficult to develop because i would imagine that that is not an easy thing to develop around when you're trying to consider you know all of these other you're basically giving a player a tool set and you know expecting them to be able to figure out how to solve the room
1: yeah, it was uh, a lot of trial and error because uh, also you have to remember that Lightfall is the first game like ever for most of the team. So, you know, we're, we're a, a bit, we're not a bit, we're a lot exper- inexperienced in, the, in this field. So we're not like, we don't have like a 10 year game desire on the team or like a 10 year level desire on the team. So it was, it was mostly trying different things and seeing what works and what, what, doesn't work and what's fun and what's not so Mm -hmm. that's why also why it took us so long to make the damn game because (laughs) (laughs) like sometimes we'll spend a few weeks or months on on some you know some things some levels some ideas and we'll realize that you know it, it will either break the game or it was just not fun so like, I'm glad we, we did this work, this iteration work, because I'm proud of the final product but it took
0: so much time, like... <laughs> oh, I can only imagine.
2: The most important thing is making a game that you want to play, you know what I mean? Like, like you said, like, you were inspired by Super Meat Boy and, and uh, Limbo, like, you're, you're making a game that, like, you would want to pick up yourself exactly like
1: it's 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 important because you spend so many years working on that project and it's it's you need to be proud of it because even if but it's hard at at some at times because when you're so much into the game at some point you just see its flaws like you don't you don't enjoy it anymore because and and that's why i love going to pax and stuff like that because i remember my initial uh, feeling towards the game like seeing the people happy and like smiling and you know just having good words about the game it, it's, it feels nice because at some point when you're so deep into production you, you just it, it gets like a routine and you, you forget you know from where you started and you forget what makes the game nice
0: yeah so. I think that's one of the biggest benefits especially for, for smaller development teams uh, an event like PAX where it, it basically gives you like a a live you know beta test in front of you where you get to watch somebody play it explain it to them see their reaction in real time and you know i i would have to imagine that some people are going to be you know brutally honest about their experience and not just you know yeah that was great yeah that was fun like i would i would have to imagine that at least some of the people would give honest real feedback you know because they're at they're paying to be at an event you know if they're just a fan or a regular you know not media person or something or you know whatever it may be the lines it packs are always crazy so you know everyone's time is is important so i would have to imagine that when they're playing a game their response is genuine most of the time
1: yeah and even like if they don't say anything i mean you can see you can see the frustration on someone's face or you can mm-hmm. like if you just put the controller down after like a few deaths at the same spot. So those kind of things are are, are a good way to to see if something's working or not. Like if there's a spot that's too hard on the demo and most people give up at this place, well, maybe, you know, you need to go back to the drawing board and and, and make it more easy, easier, or just more fun in general. Mm -hmm. And that's a bit what happened with uh, the first bus, Animus. Uh, The first time we brought Animus to the public was at PAX South uh, this year. So okay. it, it was the first like test with the public. Yep. <laughs> and it was way too hard at South. <laughs> like I think one people out of twenty will beat the will beat it. And, you know, that's just not something that you, you want. Like, you, you want it to be challenging but you want to have people succeed. So For then sure. we then we realize okay, <laughs> we need to mm-hmm. To change a few things and, and then we came to Pax East and this time around the challenge was at, uh, at a level that we wanted to like it was most people will beat it but it will require uh, several attempts to do so.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean that's that's pretty amazing that you were able to to see that in in January and make the change by by April and you know that's like I, I can't I can't imagine every developer gets that same type of you know feedback and and. And, like, that's, <laughs> that's pretty remarkable to be able to pick that up.
2: Yeah, I mean, you're getting instant feedback yeah. in a place like that, so that's that's huge. Yeah, I
1: mean, we've always worked this way. Like, we've been to PAXs and other expos for the past two years and a half, and... I mean, as an indie studio, like it's pretty much the only way you can get like public testing, like or public feedback. Like yeah. of course you can you have like some better testers and stuff like that, but as they play more, they get more experience at your own game also and so at some point they become too good. Yeah. Like so even their not feedback is
0: anymore.
1: Yeah, exactly. So yeah. even even their feedback is flawed. so you're like, Okay, well what do I do now? Do I get new beta testers or yeah. <laughs> so?
0: I would uh, I would have to imagine that it's it's with like games like lightfall it's it's rather difficult especially because it's a it's a game that's meant to be challenging so if you have the same people that are giving you feedback over and over again they're going to be the ones that are getting used to the game and it will become easier for them over time yep
1: and i mean i mean even if you look at the game now which it, it shows kind of it it shows where we spend the most time with public testing like the the first the first act is definitely i think the best one uh, and even the second one is, is really good and the third one is okay but even this one we didn't have that much testing and for a lot of people the final act of the game especially the, the last boss itself is uh, it can be a lot frustrating uh, and basically we didn't have any, any public testing for the the final act of the game so I think it shows there mm-hmm. uh, and it's definitely something we're already working on like we've, we've gathered feedback from the community already mm-hmm. and we're prepari- preparing a free update where uh, we'll change the final boss and we'll change a few things here and there that people were complaining about.
0: Yeah I mean that's that's the, the benefit in in some cases not all but it, also the downfall of, of the current climate of video games where you know you can because you know because of the internet and things are living and breathing you can go in and change something or fix something or or you know do something after the fact where prior to that you know revolution in video gaming it was you you print that game that's the game yep no no more patches no more updates
1: yeah um, definitely so we're lucky uh, to live in an era where it's possible to to fix things
0: yeah for sure. I mean, some some developers, mainly the the bigger guys, they definitely take advantage of that, and and maybe would argue that release games that are not finished, and then yeah, but we, we don't have to go down that road.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we won't name any names. Yeah, we won't name any <laughs> names.
0: Um, I looking at, I mean, just from this past packs and even years prior, just kind of thinking about it, I, I feel like. Canada as a whole is really flourishing with indie developers right now. I mean, you got look at you guys. You know, you got Studio MDHR with Cuphead, and you have you know Bendy and the Ink Machine. You have um, I mean, so so many developers that are that are putting out you know quality titles. Um, Is is the indie development community in Canada like some like a like do they work together?
1: Uh yeah, I think there's a couple of reasons why we see more uh, indie Canadian games. Uh, first of all, there's definitely like a, a friendship uh, a climate in the, in the in the indie industry. Like uh, for myself, when I I talk to several studios indie studios every day uh, from Quebec or Montreal, and I mean you don't feel a competition. Like, everybody is helping out each other and just exchanging knowledge and information, uh, giving out tips to the newest studios, and, and just giving, you know, honest feedback about the games in general. So there, there's definitely, like, a really f- uh, friendship vibe. And I think the other reason is uh, the just the... Um, the repetition of ubisoft ubisoft is pretty big in uh, quebec and montreal like they mm-hmm. they made the assassins creed and they made they, they work on the far cry so i think mm-hmm. in some way having those big games made in our home cities uh, it inspires a lot of younger people to pick up that field of study so it's just like a, a wheel now like because a lot of good games are made so it inspires the younger generation and then those people make other great games so and inspire even younger people so i think there's definitely a big a big uh, importance of the of ubisoft uh, for the whole area
0: that's that's pretty awesome i mean that's that's good to know that even you know one of the bigger players in the game like ubisoft is is a part of that community that's you know helping just the the creatives in canada that are working on games um that's that's like awesome to hear um I know you had said that this that light for for most of you guys was your first foray into into the industry. What were you what what were you doing before this, Ben?
1: Uh, I come from a, a communication background. I, I have a degree in marketing and communication, and uh, so before working at Bishop, uh, I was uh, working in marketing, and even before that, I was a reporter. Uh, so basically, what happened was that. Uh, the artist of the studio is one of my childhood friends and when he when he started the studio he found uh, another programmer which is uh, David okay. that you met also uh, so we are the three founders of Bishop and they, when they they, they team together they, they knew they needed like a PR guy or something someone that will you know understand the, the marketing side of things and that's that's when they reach out to me uh, and for me I've always been like a really huge gamer as I said earlier and just having the chance to to jump into into this adventure was a no-brainer for me so I just said okay and I quit my my other job and this is pretty much how I started out
2: there you go
0: yep was that like a nerve-wracking like choice to make was that like something that you know it was like a real struggle to be like I'm gonna quit my job to, to focus on this
1: uh, personally, like, the timing was really uh, great for me because at that time I didn't have a, a really, like, expensive life, uh, if I can say. Uh, like, uh, me and my, my hex at the time were just broken up. So I was pretty much on my own in a, a small apartment. And I had, like, outside of my food and hobbies, I didn't have any expenses. So, no, it wasn't really stressful or, like, I had, I had also money on the side. So... Uh, the decision came pretty much quickly. At first, I was part time. Like I, I, kept my job for the first few weeks, and I would work with them like once or twice a week. But soon enough, like my interest uh, in the project grew a lot, and my my interest for my my other job uh, diminished yeah. a lot. So I can't really imagine. Uh, yeah, the switch came naturally after a few weeks.
0: That well, that's reassuring. I'm sure. I'm sure. Plenty of other, you know developers who are splitting their time between a day job and, you know, pursuing something they're passionate about, I'm sure that's a, a decision that weighs heavily on on them as they're, you know, deciding what they're gonna do. Definitely,
1: and, and for us we even had to go back and get part time jobs. Like because for the first two years and a half, uh, we didn't have any funding. So at first, you know, it was okay because we all had money on the side, but you, you can you can't live like Eventually almost three years out. yeah exactly yeah. so we, we, we all had to go back to uh, get like an evening job or a weekend job so uh, it, it was kind of bad but at the same time it, it was you know it needed to be done and then we got the big break and we got the funding and that allowed us to quit uh, and just hire also the two newest members of the team it nice. feels
2: worth it now right yep <laughs> exactly that's the most important part
0: I mean, the things, it's, it's cliche, but I mean, the things that you want or need or, or strive for most in life, they're usually the things that you have to make, make, you know, deal with the struggle maybe for a little while before you can achieve the things you're trying to, to get. Getting some real, real life tips from Brendan in this episode. Shut the fuck up.
2: Um, But I mean,
1: there's also like the, a lot of people ask me or like other indie devs i see them going into the indie development and you need to have the right timing in your life because sure. if you have like kids to pay for like just to to have them like to put food on the table for family or if you have a big house to pay you might not be able to go uh, indie dev right now so it's just you need to have a, a right timing uh, in your life
0: yeah you got, You definitely have to have a little bit of planning or at least you know a little bit of security you know, yep. whether it be some money on the side or or a job that you can work part-time or something. So when you guys were doing the Kickstarter, initially the plan wasn't to be on the Switch, correct?
1: That's right, because the Switch wasn't out yet.
0: (laughs) Yeah, never mind, that's that's a really tough... um, So when did Nintendo get involved? Did they reach out to you guys, or was that something that you guys tried to pitch to them? Um, Well...
1: Truth be told, we pretty much changed the plans for the console like 10 times throughout the development. Uh, at first we wanted to do like a sim ship on all of the consoles and we figured out soon enough that it wasn't possible because of our manpower and our small team. Uh, at first Nintendo, to be honest with you, like we, we had talks with them because we had talks with all the consoles but at the time of the Wii and the Wii U, it was impossible or almost impossible to port a game from Unity to the Wii or the Wii U. So yeah. like we had a couple of discussions with Nintendo, but you know nothing. They were not on the on the map at all, yeah. and so it was like we're targeting PS Four and Xbox at the same time. Then we almost got a deal with PS Four, but it fell through. So there was there were a couple of things, and then the Switch, uh, released, and then Nintendo they reach out to all the devs they had they had met previously, like most of the indie devs. And they said, hey, the Switch is out, and now you can port your games. So that, that was a big game changer. And it is at this point that we really started to talk with them. And the conversation just evolved naturally between the two parties. And mm-hmm. I, think, I think both of us were interested in working together. And this is just how it came to be.
0: That, I mean, that's you have to think that there was a time where obviously Steam is what Steam is, but there was a time where PlayStation was kind of one of the better ecosystems for indie games, and then Xbox was kind of, you know, they had the ID at Xbox, and they, you know, Summer of Arcade, where they featured indie games kind of heavily. And now I feel like if you're an, an indie developer, I feel like, obviously, besides Steam, Switch is that home. I mean, they they really seem like they're trying to, to to corner that market of, you know, and part of it is maybe because, you know, for the last few console generations, um, third-party support for Nintendo platforms has been, you know, diminishing over time and, and not that stellar, and you're really only buying a Nintendo console if you want Nintendo games. Yep. Um, where, with with this, you know, with the Switch, it was like, you know what, we'll we'll get third-parties, you know, on board, but we're also going to just, we're going to steal and snatch up the indie market. And I mean, it really, I, I open my Switch, you know, every every week just to s- browse the eShop and, and see what new titles have come up. And there's always something new there.
1: Yep. And I think, like, like you said, they, they really learn from their mistakes, like in the first... In, the, in the, the earlier consoles, the, like you said, you bought a Wii or a Wii U to play Nintendo games. So you wanted to play Mario, you wanted to play Donkey Kong, mm-hmm. Zelda. But now, you know, you can still do that. And it's still a big, uh, a big advantage that they have, in my opinion, like against PS4 or, or uh, Xbox. I think that Nintendo exclusive are the more popular games in general. Like the franchise of Nintendo are so strong. But now they do. They also have, they also can compete with having the best indies under platform so
0: i mean it's just a good business move in my opinion it really is a great business move i mean there's so many indie games that you know prior to the switch for me because i don't i don't i don't do a lot of steam gaming um the, a lot of games that i just unfortunately had to miss out on but now a lot of those titles have either already come out on the switch or they're coming to the switch and then you know in also just sidestepping that Games like Lightfall that are just launching exclusively, you know, at least for a time being on Switch. My m- most of my gaming is either Overwatch or indie games at this point, so yeah. <laughs> Which yeah, I, I, mean, I, I honestly feel like the indie developers are, are putting out some of the better, you know, they're putting out more memorable classic titles than a lot of AAA developers are now.
1: I mean, I mean, I think that also pricing is a, a big advantage for us because, yeah, you know, sure. like, are you going to buy... I mean, in some case, yes. Like, are you going to buy, like, a $80 games or, like, you can buy maybe six to seven games for that price? Like, there's a, a, obviously a few titles that will be bought no matter what, like, like example, God of War. I mean, you, you need to buy that game even though it's $90. But, yeah. on, like, on some titles... It's just more fun to get different indie games instead and you have much more replay value and much more difference mm-hmm. uh, so I think that the pricing can really be an advantage uh, for us.
0: The, the other thing too and is again this isn't to discredit you know people that work at larger studios but in a lot of cases with with you know smaller development teams, you know this is like make or break this is you know we're putting all of our time effort money into making this so the passion and the motivation that's behind making a good experience for the player is you know in more cases probably than not you know much more of a focus because there's more ride. their livelihood is at stake Their their future career is at stake there's so much more on the table if you know the game that they put out isn't
2: that good well and like we said they're making games that they want to play
0: and that's also the other thing which is where the passion comes from that you know you guys are making stuff that either no one else is making or someone made a good game and you want to also make a game like that game yep and
1: like it's it's also like your only chance to have success as an indie game like if you if you just take things like if you just copy something or just make an okay game as an indie you, you won't you won't make it. You really need to have a something unique, like uh to, to have a chance. And even then sometimes even good games, sometimes indie games don't sell well. So it's it's really hard, but you, you definitely have to have something to stand out from the the millions of games out there.
0: Mm-hmm, for sure. Uh to to kinda go back to the Nintendo point too, the, the thing that they're doing that's really I think beneficial, especially for the indie community, is that you know they obviously do their own Nintendo directs, but there's also been a focus on like Nindy directs, which Lightfall was a was one of the highlights of the last one they did. I think I think it was like a longer piece of the direct, which was fantastic for you guys. I'm sure.
1: Yep, uh, we we're pretty happy about that. Uh, it's been just just like as I said earlier, like the the relationship between the two parties mm-hmm. was uh, great from the start, and it it kept evolving positively, and. When they approached us with, you know, this offer of being, of having the trailer in the middle of the showcase, we said that we like we were so happy because, just having the visibility from Nintendo, they, mm-hmm. like just a single YouTube video on their channel, yeah. is like ten times or hundred times more than what I can do on my own for the marketing for mm-hmm. my game. So, uh, just just being able to be, you know, riding the Nintendo wave was uh, was great.
0: Yeah, I mean I. I, it was while i was actually at the booth at PAX playing with david that that uh, i think kirk from nintendo came by and was talking to david um yep. it's just it's crazy to me that you know the the level of you know involvement that nintendo's putting with their indie relationships is just it's i think it's one of the smartest things that they've done in the past few years and it's definitely going to you know pay off going forward for for not only them but all the indie developers that are you know, building those relationships.
1: Yeah, and this is why, like, this is my my main, my main tip for, like, indie devs in general. Like, go to a PAX or go to an event because that's where you meet the people working in the industry. Like, of course, there's a portal online in the Nintendo website where you can submit your indie game. But the chances of being accepted through that portal is really slim because you have, you have people like Kirk, which are indie managers... And basically, they they are the ones on the field looking for interesting games, mm-hmm. and they are the one pitching the game to, to the entire team of Nintendo. So I think someone like Kirk backing your game helps so much more than just you know submitting your game on the online portal. You know, so and and I know it's costly to go to packs and stuff like that, but if you plan on you know meeting consoles or being on the consoles you need to go to a pact or something and just meet with the guys from PlayStation from from Switch uh, and all those guys and, and try to build a relationship
0: for sure I mean that's that's absolutely I, I, I am curious to see if going forward because of how much success Nintendo's been having with indie titles and their big push to To kind of make that a focus, it's almost at this point, it's like a core tenant of what the Switch is. It's like they have their big first-party titles, they have their amazing indie support, and then they have, you know, like a few marquee third-party you know, developers like Ubisoft and Bethesda that are really pledging support for them. I wonder if that in turn is going to make like a Sony or a Microsoft say, we need to get back in that, that indie realm. And start trying to also, you know, build these partnerships and kind of reinvigorate the indie scene on their own platforms.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, they they still do that to 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 an extent. Like we we've had we've had like we have good relation with all the consoles, like be mm-hmm. it Xbox or PS Four and Switch. It's just that at, at one point we had to make a choice because we we could just afford one console port at the yeah. same time. And, you know, just seeing the, the situation with the three consoles, uh, also seeing the popularity, the rising popularity of the Switch, uh, it was a big part in our decision. And, but it's not to say that, you know, PS4 and X1 don't do anything. They do a lot for indie games also. It's just that at some point in our case, we, we had to make a choice. Make a
0: decision, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, that's the thing, too, is, is it seems as though Nintendo's very vocal they're very upfront about all of these indie things where the the focus doesn't seem to get put on that. It, like, if you look at, you know, something like E3 last year where, you know, part of Nintendo's presentation is a focus on indie stuff where the PlayStation side and Xbox side aren't necessarily pushing. I mean, if you want to call PUBG an indie game, I guess. <laughs> but I don't think I would put it in that, in that category. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's just it's interesting to see the landscape. I think I think you might see a little bit more of a focus, uh, at least on the marketing side of things, from Xbox and Sony this year, just because it it appears maybe to the public that the Switch is like the preferred indie platform, other than Steam.
1: Yeah, I mean, and also what I I've seen from the years is that each console has its own you know games in identity at large like. Mm. If you look at Xbox, for example, they are the only consoles with uh, I think that's six or eight controllers. I'm not too sure. Uh, so they, they they rely heavily on the multiplayer because to take advantage of that you know that feature that they are the only console with eight controllers. So obviously, being a, in our case being a single player title, and also because Microsoft they have Ori in the Blind Forest, so there that was two reasons why they were maybe not as interested in Lightfall as they as. Let's say Nintendo. Yeah. So you have to look at like the situation for each each platform and each console has uh, its type of games that they are more uh, interested in uh, usual.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's, there's definitely a lot of things to consider when it when it comes to it, and I mean ultimately, it as long as the as long as the the three platforms are approachable for all indie developers, that's that's like the the best possible scenario is that. They are approachable in some way for everyone, but, I mean, on your side of things, you definitely have to make the decision based on, you know, what you guys can accomplish in what time frame and what would be the best, you know, case for release. Exactly. Um, so, I know you, you brought up God of War earlier briefly. I... I uh, haven't had a PlayStation Four. Usually, I, I get all four, uh, all three consoles at some point each generation of consoles. Uh, but the PlayStation Four was like on the back burner for a while. But the week that God of War came out, I was like, oh my god, this is the the finally what what's gonna push me to get get a PlayStation. <laughs> Did you pick up God of War?
1: Uh, I haven't had a chance yet but uh, because I'm leaving in vacation this uh, Saturday. okay so yeah I got first vacation in a few years so uh, hmm. but yeah I plan to I plan to buy it when I, when I come back uh, definitely uh, so I'm just waiting for now but yeah it's for me it's a must buy and the the whole reason why i bought a ps4 in the first place back then was to play bloodborne because i'm one of the biggest dark souls fans awesome so just having bloodborne a ps4 exclusive i was like okay well i need to buy that console i guess has
0: has anyone ever described lightfall as the dark souls of platforming
1: They, no, I don't think so, but that, that, that will actually be a great honor, for uh, at least for me. But I haven't heard it yet. <laughs>
0: all right, we might have to make something happen then. Um, uh, so as a new PlayStation owner, what other titles would you recommend besides Bloodborne? Because that is on my list of... I mean, my backlog is already terrible, which is why I'm trying to hold off on going too crazy. All, yeah. So far, all I've purchased is um, God of War. Uh, street fighter 5 because i, I do love fighting games and i bought persona 5 but i'm not letting myself open it until i finish god of war yep so what what's missing from my list what what what's a must buy
2: yeah, very i very
1: think uh, yeah. i think like most of the exclusive actually like uh, if you look at uh, last of us remastered i don't know if you played the last of us on the ps3 uh, but last of us remastered is definitely a great choice also uh, horizon zero down which is also a ps4 exclusive mm-hmm. is uh, is really really good honestly the, the 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 details and the art that they were able to put into the ps4 art- hardware is just crazy like the game is so big and so beautiful it, it's 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 surreal it runs so smoothly on the ps4 uh also like if you like platformers um I've enjoyed Rayman, the the new Raymond a lot. So yeah, that's pretty much what, what games I have right now.
0: What was the was the new one Legends or?
1: Uh yeah yeah it's like a remaster the Rayman, okay. uh, yeah.
0: That was the one that did that one come out on the Wii U.
1: Uh, I think
0: so. Yeah, it wasn't. It
1: wasn't an exclusive. Yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah, that was the I I pl- played that. The Wii U got a lot of flack, and it didn't do well, but it, it did have some decent titles, and that was one of one of my favorites actually.
1: Yeah, I mean the the the, the games the games themselves were good. It's just that uh, the console really didn't sell well. I
0: think. No, it did not. I mean the lifetime sales of the Wii U got shattered by the Switch in less than a year.
1: Yeah, <laughs> but but I mean, the Switch is pretty much destroying everything, like, yeah. if you look at the the progression and the popularity, so... <laughs> Which,
0: personally, I really enjoy, just because, I, at heart, I'm a Nintendo guy. I grew up on Nintendo, and for me, to see Nintendo kind of swing back into the into the good side of things makes me very happy.
1: Yeah, same for me. Like, I remember when my... Uh, when I was seven years old, my, my father brought me a Super Nintendo for Christmas. And this is pretty much where when I started uh, to play on consoles. Mm-hmm. And I remember, I remember playing like Donkey Kong, uh, you know, uh, Killer Instinct and all those games. And just now seeing my home game
0: on Nintendo, it's like, it's, it's a good
1: progress, it, I guess.
0: It's <laughs> going to be the best feeling. It's, it's got to be the best feeling.
1: Yeah, it, it, feels, it feels good, yeah. <laughs>
0: uh the super nintendo by the way i would i would have to argue might be the best console of all time i i do love the super nintendo
1: yeah and uh definitely there's a lot of classics on that platform and like i remember when i was like 15 i had the bad idea to sell it and now i i keep myself every time i want to play some donkey kong one one two or three right. and I'm like oh that's right i i sold, I sold it for like 50 bucks
0: i know so. i feel like everyone has one of those stories where they at some point and it's some year in their life they decided to trade in or sell one of their consoles in a bunch of games and if you look back at it now you're like why would i ever do that yep that's just uh, childhood mistakes <laughs> it really is i i wish i had the foresight for someone to be like don't sell all those you're you're going to want that in about 10 years don't do it yeah <laughs> not to mention i mean some of that stuff is is worth money at this point
1: oh yeah definitely there's a i've been checking to buy one myself like sometimes when the nostalgia is too too strong i just like hop on ebay and just look for the price and i'm like okay well never mind then
0: <laughs> yeah yeah exactly the the super nintendo classic though it has a lot of Great titles on it. I mean, I don't know how readily available it is to buy at this point, but there, there's definitely enough on there that that justifies a purchase.
1: Yeah, and, well, in kind Canada, of I mean, uh, I've tried to to buy it like a few times, and every time the the stores don't have them, so I'm like, okay, well, <laughs> and maybe they don't ship ship them anymore north. I don't know.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, there's there's always the jokes online about Nintendo and stockings things, so. Yep. Whether it's Amiibos or, or Super Nintendo Classics or, or whatever it may be. What, uh do you plan on bringing your Switch with you on your vacation?
1: Uh, I want to. My girlfriend doesn't, so, <laughs> I think I won't, actually. So, yeah, I think I think i will pass. It's probably just a safe bet,
2: because... huh?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's like our first uh, trip just the two of us and all that stuff. So I'll probably play along, you know. So
0: yeah, I mean, you could always you could always just pitch it as you know you're doing some market research.
1: <laughs> yep. I oh, will try that.
0: <laughs> you're, you're scope out the competition. Just make sure no one's you know stealing any ideas.
1: <laughs> yep, I don't know if it's gonna fly though. Oh, I can try, but
0: I don't want to get you in any hot water. <laughs> is there, uh, is there any plans to to add? other than just tweaks to, like, the final boss and stuff like that? Are there any other plans to add more content to Lightfall or DLC? Uh,
1: yeah, well, maybe not, like, a DLC. Maybe, like, a as a free update or a free patch or something. Okay. Um, because the, the two main points, you know, that were, like, the, the weaker points, if you will, were the last boss... And the game's uh, duration for the story mode. And those two points we knew beforehand, like before launch, that they will be our weakest point. So now that we're fixing the last bus, we might as well, I don't know, maybe do some, maybe a few more levels or something like that. But at the same time, you know, we we have the funding for the next project also. And we we might want to do also like a PS4. Or Xbox One port, so we'll have to make decisions uh, where we stop and where we move to the next project, but yeah. uh, for now, the, the priority is definitely the, the free patch where we will fix a few things like the the in-game collectibles, which can be... we'll, we'll change the way it's presented, uh, like the the yellow horbs with the text, when you bring them back to the checkpoint, it's, it's kind of annoying, mm-hmm. so we'll probably change that, and we're changing uh, the last bus, so those two things are... Uh, we're also fixing, fixing a few bugs here and there, but mostly the two biggest points are the collectibles and the last boss. Okay. And after that, we'll, we'll see. Like, it's, I think it's too early to, to tell, but maybe maybe we'll do more levels and more you know, speedrun levels or something like that.
0: Yeah. I mean, speedrunning, I mean, the way that the game controls, and we didn't even touch on this, but the way that the game controls and how it flows, the, the speedrunning is, is like a perfect addition to the game. And I, I enjoy that it's a a separate mode, so I don't have to feel bad about myself while I'm playing the main game, because <laughs> I definitely wouldn't be able to do that well in a speedrun mode. But I appreciate the the people that can play games that way. Um, have you have you seen uh, impressive feats online of people of you know posting ridiculous records for Twitch streams?
1: Uh, I mean, well, our uh, or times in the leaderboard were shattered on the first day, so. I mean we had a 4 years head start and we still got stumped <laughs> on the first day so uh, there's not much to say really like yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah people are really good at the game already and uh, we're keeping an eye just to see how you know the leaderboards uh, change and if someone is cheating or something like that cuz there's always a possibility of someone cheating unfortunately so we we you know we're tr- trying our best to you know monitor the situation but so far uh, it's, it's it's going pretty well
0: that's good. Um, it, as far as the next project, and if you can't say anything, that's that's fine. Is there anything you can say about what you guys are working on, or is it all under wraps for now?
1: Um, it's going to be a video game.
0: Fair enough. The,
1: good start. Good start. <laughs> that's pretty much the only thing I can say.
0: <laughs> that's a big scoop, Mike. Tweet it out.
2: Yep. <laughs> video game in the works. Got it.
0: I always think it's funny when when uh the websites or, or whatever take something either out of context that a developer says or take something like you know obviously your answer was you know sarcastic but take an answer like that and turn it out into something ridiculous like i, I remember uh Corey, the the lead guy for god of war was doing an interview with somebody and he had said something along the lines of like he has ideas for other games in his head and they then ran with that and turned it into. God of War developer has you know four God of Wars planned out and it's like what? Yeah. I just think I always just think it's funny when when you know something minuscule like that gets blown up into something ridiculous.
1: I mean, it's I think it's an extension of the the social media's at large and just the society nowadays. Like it's always you're always gonna like clickbait and things like that so <laughs> yeah
0: for sure you need a reason that you get to get those clicks
2: everyone's exactly. always looking for the next big thing Yep. Yeah.
0: well it is getting to that point ben where i don't want to keep you too long and you have a vacation to start packing for yep um is there anything that you want to plug you want to let people know where they can find you or more info about bishop or lightfall
1: um i mean we're pretty uh, active uh, we have a discord and uh, also uh, you can we're pretty active on twitter well i am pretty active on twitter on the bishop <laughs> games icon so uh, i just want to say like to the, if we have fans listening that we're, um, we we understand that we we made some uh, mistakes uh, for the game and that we're already trying to uh, improve it so if you have any ideas or feedback uh, don't hesitate to reach out. Uh, you can reach out on the subreddit. We have a, a small subreddit on Lightfall. Um, also on the Discord or on Twitter. Just just reach out if you have any, you know, questions or comments about the game, and we'll try to uh, fix it if we can.
0: Awesome, is uh, is Lightfall available on on in every uh, eShop country or is it? Yep. Uh, okay, I just want to make yep. sure I don't know if it was. Uh, not in certain certain areas of the world, so they can find Lightfall on Steam or on the Nintendo Switch eShop for fourteen ninety
1: nine. That's it. Yep. Yeah, well, there's a, uh, depends on the currency, but yeah, it's pretty much the same price.
0: Around fourteen ninety nine. Okay. Um, so yeah, I mean, as Ben was saying, look for them on social media or on their Reddit or their Discord channel. Reach out. Let them know how much you're loving the game. Let them know if you have any issues or questions or comments, um, and. Ben, really, it was a, it was a pleasure to have you on. Um, we really enjoyed the time we had with you guys at PAX. Um, you know, I'm enjoying playing through the game. On it's Steam awesome right now.
2: It's awesome to hear that, like, a developer cares about like making the game better, even if even after people are already like paying for it. You know what I mean? Like, perfecting something like it's obvious that you care about this game. So it's awesome to hear that. Thank you.
0: <laughs> I mean, not only that. I mean, just acknowledging that there were some sort of issues that's 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 huge you know that's that shows you the the level of of passion that that you guys have for this game which is honestly again why i kind of go back to the whole indie games are where i spend a lot of my time lately only because i feel like the people behind those games are really putting you know their life's work into what they're providing for us
1: yeah, I mean we've always, you know, it was always important for us to be really uh, transparent with the public, with the the fans. Uh, it's it's just you know giving back like they've they've giving us giving us so much that you know it doesn't bother us to to do a free update or just f- improve the game. I mean it, I think it's just a common, the most common thing to do for them because they have given us so much already. So.
0: Yeah, I think that's I think that's one of the the interesting. Uh, things that have kind of come out of gaming in the past in the industry in the past few probably five years or more is that you know with with games that are being crowdfunded or have some crowdfunding support in games that maybe are being released in early access or stuff like that people really like to feel like they're a part of that community that's helping making the game a reality um so it's you know you really do I'm sure develop a lot of passionate fans throughout that journey of development because you you know you guys are being being vulnerable in a way where people can see the journey of making this game and then you know the 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 sweat that has gone into it over time.
1: Yeah, I mean, and, and like I said, it's uh, it's 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 our first game, so it's important to remain humble, and obviously there's gonna be things that we messed up and we're going to fix for this for lightfall but we're also going to uh, not redo again for the next project so sure. it's important to like you know, you can't put your ego in front of you You're just going to be humble and you know just realize that your games will have flaws and it's up to you to make up for it basically
0: yes or just add loot boxes and then everyone will be
1: happy <laughs> <laughs> oh we should have done that <laughs>
0: Just, just do this, when you go in to change the yellow orbs, just turn them into loot boxes that they have to then spend a dollar to get them. <laughs> Instead of bringing it into the checkpoints, make, uh, make Strix stand there and, and demand a dollar.
1: Yeah, we could sell speed boosts in speedrun. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Like a, like a headset <laughs> Exactly.
0: <laughs> but like I said Ben it was a pleasure to, to meet you guys at PAX it was a pleasure to have you on I appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule I know you guys are, are busy with post launch things and making sure that the game runs smoothly and, and working on those updates and your future game which is in fact a video game
1: well it was a pleasure guys uh, thanks for thanks for inviting me it was a yeah, lot of fun
0: it was, it was a good time I'm, I'm glad you, you got to, uh, to come on And uh, to the fans, thank you for listening. As always, you can find us online at PastTheController.io, on social media at PastController, and thanks for listening to this week's episode.